Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. I see the fun. Same fun, the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. podcast. I do this every fucking time. Podcast. That makes it really good. I know. I, I know. This is the sound you're hearing is Dr. Drew. This is a special They Seem Fun edition where I'm interviewing. Well, I'm such a fan, but I'm also a friend. And, you, and we're actually doing it at the Corolla Empire. I know. It's we're crazy. It here, he yeah. would not like that. Why? I don't know. I always assume he doesn't think I'm funny. I don't think he knows I am alive, actually. Well, to be fair, I'm I not sure Adam would... knows many people are alive. No, I'd He's... rather that. I mean, not that I you care. Don't want, you don't want to be in his crosshairs, that's for sure. Oh, he's but, a... But he, no, he didn't he, scare me. He probably, in reality, in reality, probably does know you and has a full assessment to offer and is probably a fan. That's my bet. No... Well, that's we'll my talk bet. No that's fucking my way. That's my bet. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, so this is exciting because I was trying to get you on the podcast for a while, and, and you made this happen today. You, yes. you You were very good about it. Um, well, I've been intending to do this for like six months. I know, I know. So thank you. And the last time I saw you was in New York City. We all had dinner. We had dinner. Right? It was very fun. And you were, so have you, fun. Have you talked about what you were writing for back then? Uh, no, I, I mentioned it a little bit on the air. I was. That uh, seems so interesting. I mean, it does, but here's the deal. Mm. I, so I told the audience out there, and he's interviewing me on my own podcast now. I'm no, no, gonna, but I'm just curious. I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, I, wrote, I wrote on a show called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and uh, pr- written, produced, brainchild, every aspect uh, run by Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino. They're a husband and wife writing team. They created Gilmore Girls. They're fantastic. They're amazing. They're the type of people you work for that they've got it all planned out in their head. They know all the seasons. Here's the, they're like channeling people when they talk. So they didn't need – I'm not a um, – you know, in the Writers Guild, that's how you're hired as a writer. So like you're like, oh, I'm an executive producer level or I'm a staff writer level, which is the lowest, or, or I'm a consultant. Right, yeah. Right. So it, they never hired me with the intention of she's going to write all these scripts and all the ideas are gens. It was just stand-up consultant. Yeah. So that was really fun. So that's what I did. And then, you know, we read every script and wrote um, 
suggested jokes or cut. You know, I mean, my my hands are there's a few lines of mine in every script. Believe it or not, I've been writing some scripted stuff just because I've got oh. some time to fill. And how the, do you have time to fill? I, just oh, I need to. Okay, we're okay, going to talk about your say, schedule. Yeah, right, let me go say ahead, that, go ahead. that that having consultants and when you get into specific topics mm-hmm. is. I can't even tell you how, like it like it, like gives me like makes me breathe like oh we're on the right track they they, they told me you know they because you know you said you live it and like, yeah. I want to know I don't live that I kind of have a sense of what it is but I need you to tell me what's real about this well also and I you know there's um, different aspects of the show like uh, I, I guess it wouldn't be a secret but like what what the profession of her father is they mm-hmm. had to have consultants for that because we don't have scientists on staff you know it's good um, so that's a good show that's yeah. what the signs of a good show in it's, my opinion. Oh, it's so beautifully yeah. shot. Yeah. If it doesn't win oh, all the Emmys God. for how it looks. Is it up right now? Is it out? It's gonna the pilot's up on Amazon okay. and it's gonna come out in December. And it and okay, it, what's it called again? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I have to see this. Loosely based on Joan Rivers. And who is the lead woman? Rachel, oh God, I'm going to fuck up her name, Brosnahan. She's a young girl. Uh. It's literally, it's not like she's doing a Joan impression. It's just based on the concept, a woman in the 50s should just stand up. Well, and to be fair, my my daughter wrote her thesis on this topic because she was schooling me. Your daughter's like super feminist. Oh, yeah. And she was schooling me, and she's into comedy and stuff, and and she was schooling me that, that before Joan Rivers, a woman did not, particularly a young, attractive woman, did not stand up on stage alone Unless she was in front of a band and singing. Yes. And that was the only time a woman really got up and did anything. There's, Otherwise, yeah. she was acting or she was with a partner or something. Otherwise, if she was standing up at a microphone, it was to sing in front of a band. Yeah, there's a few lines here and there in the show where they're like, you know, you know, comedy agents are like, well, what does she sing? They're like, she's a comedian, you and, know. And, and if they, right. And if they didn't sing... And they stood up at a mic and tried to do comedy. They had to be like in a clown outfit. Well, that's what there it was. Moms Mabley, Phyllis uh, Diller, exactly. And there was are... an episode where we addressed that. Yes, good. Yeah, see? so Joan was the only one doing it like a man, and well, it's... like a like an adult, attractive young female, which was well, startling. And it was so funny. She didn't think she was attractive. Oh, you know, that, was that was her big com- thing. That was the comedy, though. It was the comedy, but yeah. it was so real. Oh, I know. But yeah, you know. But but um. But and also the. Did she, she like you? Yes. In fact, the last time I saw her, I, I, I have a little bit of a relationship with Melissa, and I have, I have okay. great affection for her. And occasionally they, they would do bits where they'd bring me in to sort of make peace between them and things. It was when Melissa had a show, she had a talk show oh, or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. And the last time I saw Joan was we were – the three of us were on Wendy Williams. And <laughs> I know. That's it's, 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 but But Joan kept going, no, 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 no. Let this man talk. This guy's got important stuff to say. He's like, no. And during the break, she's going, you, she was like, no, you're the real deal. You just channeled so, her. And, and I, I was, and it. I was like, it felt like I was like stunned, frankly. Oh, I was like, because she's she's a brilliant woman, brilliant, and she's, and she's a legend. And I was like, wow, no, no, um, Joan, no, no, you, you. I was like, no, no, I need to defer to well, you, you know, not you to me. She's generous that way, and I think it's because she was like that. But I think it's that Johnny Carson school of. But it was not. I've been. I've seen that. You know I've, what I've you're been, talking about. Yeah, the phony. The object, yeah. This was not that. This was her going. Melissa, shut up! I need to hear what he's saying. Kind yeah. of thing. Like not that real. I think she's being phony, but no, yeah. it was not. It was. It was like a real kind of like. It was really extraordinary. That's it, was, cool. it was one of those moments I will not forget. And I I, at the time, I didn't really think that much of it. I thought, yeah. God, how oh, that's a that's a nice keeps me motivated. You know what I mean? To know that Joan sees something worthwhile in what I'm doing. But in retrospect, it was like holy crap. That's it's a, huge. That's a big deal. You she know. was a, oh, so important to me. And she died on my 40th birthday. Oh, my well, God. Well, she went into Did the you just co- have a birthday? Yes, yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you, 43. That's awesome. Um, 40s are awesome. 
I'm loving it. See? I, I'm working on a new joke. Mm. I'm going to try it out on you. Okay. But you don't have to laugh because it's not supposed to be funny yet. But the yes. 40s are the yes. – well, the 40s – I haven't done it on stage yet. I was thinking about it on the plane. Uh, I just told Dr. Drew – I just got back from a silent retreat, so I've been quiet for four days, and so I'm shot of a fucking cannon. But, um, but we're going to get to you because I'm going to talk about that on a different episode. Right, yeah. um, I – what's my point? So I was saying, like, the 40s. everybody thinks that they don't give a fuck, right? What do you um, mean? About 40? About life. Okay. Everyone thinks they're, you know, like you get a teenager, like, I don't give a fuck. And then in your 20s, you're, and so it just starts higher and goes lower until it's real. So it's like teenagers, I don't give a fuck. And 20s is like, I don't give a fuck. And 30s is like, I don't give a fuck. And 40s is like, I don't give a fuck. And then you just become Maxine Waters. I think that that's so true. There's something to that. There's something to and, that. And like, there's something I feel very it deep in my soul. About women being whole like that. Yeah. And, and uh, whatever that is that you just demoted felt because kind of, of attractive. <laughs> Thank you. Because yeah. if I said it to a 20-year-old, they would say, oh, I get it. I'd go, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's something different. I'm, I'm – well, Part of me, I don't know what it feels like. You correct me if I'm wrong. Is part of the I don't give a fuck is something I heard uh, strangely – I watched another stand-up special last night. Lynn Coplitz, whatever. Her oh name yeah, is. she's great. I don't know her personally. Okay, I don't think she we've met. essentially she's funny. said, you know, I'm 50, whatever, and I can handle myself. I can handle. Anything. And <laughs> it's a so great there, way to put it. it. Well, she goes, I've lived in New York for 20 years. I can handle anything. Yeah. And, and it's like there's a certain kind of I can handle myself. That's yeah. very attractive. You know, when you say, say that. Let me ask you this as a doctor, and yeah. then we're going to backtrack and really introduce you. Right. So I was talking to. Um, I was offended. Not offended, but I was like, you know, I was talking to a guy who's 59 and he's like, oh, you're not, he said, uh, if everyone else thinks I'm younger cause I look young. So he said, uh, well, you're not, a, you're got so many years ahead of you or whatever. I said, well, I'm 43. I mean, it's, it, it's an age where you can stop acting like I haven't, I'm middle aged in 43 years. I'll be 86. If, I mean, it's literal, literal middle. Yeah. yeah. Literally middle. And so he was saying, well, I'm 59 and I'm thinking like, but you know, a woman at 43, I think, between the next 10 years is is a lot different than his 43 to 53. Like, we lose <laughs> our ability to have children. We lose what biologically makes us women. Like, we yeah, – our hormones – don't you think that's more devastating? I'm not saying we're upset. Then just – what does a man go through, like, that, well, that challenges his mortality in that way? Prostate st- cancer. I've been through prostate it. I don't, I don't produce semen anymore because they took my prostate. But you could if you didn't have the cancer. No, yes, but I'm saying that I can relate to that feeling. Yes. But even so. But it would took that this, to happen. No, 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 no. There's Yes, yes, and there's something deeper about women's embeddedness in their reproductive sort of self. Right. That's a deeper sort of, a, I don't know what it is, but I've certainly intuitive and empathically heard women I, I listen to them talk about this and it's something that men don't really experience that's what i'm saying we so just don't really have that so when you don't have it i understand why it'd be a big deal yeah i think it, it even it, though i would argue very strongly that it, it should really not it really should not because i, I don't you're, think it you're, should you're every bit in fact as i'm saying you know like i said yeah. just hearing you talk about that joke you're strangely more of a woman, you know, even so. Oh, no, I totally agree. You know I just saying? think it's it's this physical thing that happens that, that signals one thing. You ain't younger, honey. No, I get it. <laughs> like I it's, get it. It's not coming to a 20-year-old. No, I get it. I understand. So, and, and, it, and yeah. it's, 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 not it's reversible. something profound that men don't... Can't Botox that shit. No. 
<laughs> Maybe <laughs> some. I mean, it, it's profound, and I don't want to minimize it in any way. But do know, men don't. Okay, then you if you don't want to minimize attention. it, why are you rolling your? I'm kidding. No, you have to really pay attention to yeah. get it as a male. I think also, and well, I don't even want to get into menopause, but anyway, yeah. What? It's so boring. I was just saying. Well, they should, you should get get it treated because I'm I'm a big advocate for that, and I think it's been way under under well, do you know, attention to. I don't have any experience in my family. My mom had a hysterectomy. Talk to my wife. My mom had a hysterectomy at 42. Talk, talk to my wife. My Good. sister had cancer, mm. and my other sister had it young. So everyone had it by my age. Mm. And I got no signs yet. Well, perimenopause also is something that is not attended to. I think, well, my acupuncturist is good. obsessed. Okay, well, good. So somebody's paying attention. Now, That's let's good. talk about acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Let's, I'm putting that on the list. Mm-hmm. I'm putting a bunch of things. Okay. Um, I believe I might be in it. My period is changing. You, you, if you're not in it, it would be weird. A oh. perimenopause, that is. A little night sweats. Oh, yeah. A little, so where's perimen- my period this month? Yeah. Okay, you're in it. Not menopause, but perimenopause, at least. Yeah. You sh- you, it'd be bizarre if you were not. Mm. It'd be bizarre if you are not. So, so attend to it is what I'm saying. Don't minimise it. Attend to it. What do I have to do? Put a washcloth on my head? Well, Lay to, down? Talk to <laughs> I, I'm a big <laughs> advocate a of, fainting re- coach? of restoring the hormones to their normal state. I, I, when Susan, With pills? When Susan went through that, well, she did a bioidentical pellets and things like that. But she was like, oh, my God. I had no idea. Like, yeah. like I, myself has been restored. Yeah, so. hormones are, you know, and I feel like hormones are a slang for the lay person. Oh, yeah. It means you're out of control. Yeah. It means you're crazy. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like, it's like blood. It's, it's a, the biggest part of your biology, men too. Yes. Well, people act like it's a, um, a, fa- a flaw. No. Like if your hormones affect you, you've done something wrong. Like the, you're not the, tougher the than the endocrine that. system and the neuro the neural system evolve together in the fetus. Mm. It's a neuroendocrine evolution. It's just that in the neural system, the hormones are released from the ends of these neurocells. In the endocrine system, it's released into the bloodstream and bathes the brain. Ah. So it's the same thing. It's just one is sort of more global. So in a way, it should be more more powerful. Yes. Mm? Well, you know, listen. We get it. The body and the brain, as opposed to being local, the way the neural system works. All right, we're going to give you an official intro now. I have all, all right. my things that I need to get to okay. with you. All right. So Who first of all, Doctor Drew. All right, Doctor Drew Pinsky. Two things I need to say. I think I've heard Jay Moore say this, or maybe Tom Arnold. If someone doesn't like you, I have no time for them. <laughs> Thank you for saying they, that. Something's wrong with them. <laughs> they are wrong about everything. Gary, write this down and show it to Adam. <laughs> well, I want to, and now I, I don't want to drag you through this, but I want to just briefly visit the celebrity rehab of it all mm-hmm. with my listeners, mm-hmm. because I feel as though I understand through various relationships in my life and my own things, the addiction stuff, like I'm pretty well steeped in it. And yeah. so, and codependency. Yes. And so you can, <laughs> thank you. You cannot possibly understand this notion of, uh, first of all, the whole history of it, people can listen to. You know, Bob thought it would be a good idea if we put celebrities on, people will really relate, whatever, we get it. Bob and Forrest, yeah. Yeah, Bob Forrest. Then there's producers, great, blah, blah, blah. But these people who say, oh, another one died, he couldn't save them, it's like, yeah, I think, that's not how it works. But you know what? I think now the reason that has shifted a little bit 
is the awareness of what this opioid epidemic is. Right. Now, so I'm glad you brought this up because I've not made it ex- as explicit. So people that go, oh, another one died. First of all, two, let's see, only two died of addiction. Three died of addiction. The other died of other things. Uh-huh. Mindy died of depression. She had severe psychiatric illness. She was not managed properly and was sent home where there are firearms in an acutely depressed state. Oh. Not good. Rodney King died of heart disease. He had yeah. nothing to do with his drinking or smoking or anything. He was not entirely sober, but he was struggling, but he was okay. Yeah. He died of a, of a he drowned and had a cardiac event. Yeah. Jeff Conway and Mike oh. Starr died of opiate addiction. I think people are now understanding the opiate addiction problem. Yeah. Jeff Conway danced. He was his pain was so well controlled. He tap danced for me just by taking him off the opiates. As soon as he left our care, he went back to his pain doctors. He was told not to listen to us and was put back on the pain meds. Ended up in a nursing home because the dosing of the pain meds mm. was so profound that he needed to be in a nursing home to have it administered. This is ridiculous. Yeah. He called me like two weeks before he died and said, you know, I think I'm ready to finally get off this. Uh, and then that was that. That's... Mike Starr, we had him sober. We worked, Bob and I worked with him for like a year. Yeah. And he was really sober and doing great. All of a sudden, he goes, I'm moving to Utah with this band. We're like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, no, no I'm going to live by Cirque Lodge in a sober living. Nope. These guys are all sober. We were all like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. He goes to Utah. He's with guys that are sober. He's doing okay. All of a sudden, he calls me. He goes, I have back pain. I go, Mike, whatever you do, do not tell a doctor that you have back pain. Yep. Do not do it. Dead three days later. With, yep. a, with pills at his bedside that his doctor prescribed, taken as prescribed, maybe a little bit more. Yep. And dead. So- Everybody, this is why my patients die. They die because they go back to my peers. Yeah. And they leave the the treatment setting. And my peers would kill all my patients. It was the most well, heartbreaking thing I've ever been through. Let's just say, too, that there, let's say there's no opioids. It's only drinking or whatever. Oh, um, and Joey. Joey died. Joey's the one that died of a sort of – he died of a syndrome – which is that when guys that are stimulant addicts do steroids and yeah. don't stop the steroids, they die and they die young. And oh, they weird. and they will not cop to the steroids. It's the weirdest damn thing. So yeah. I always tell them when they're doing steroids and cocaine that you're going to die if yeah. you don't deal with the steroids. Oof. So I take too much Wellbutrin. I feel like I'm going to die. Oh, like I yeah. don't know how people do that. Right. Um, so I – okay. So my thing is like people don't understand the brain of the addict. You cannot yeah. stop them. Right. And you have the codependency yep. gene in you. Mm-hmm. So y- you, it would, you would actually be hurting them, not you, but a person, anyone would be hurting someone to keep trying to save them. Like it right. doesn't do anything. It doesn't, and it, them it, being on camera did not make it worse. They don't even know. It seemed to make it better. It, it, they frankly, don't they, know they're they on camera. They did way better than average. We, we, our experience was most, most of the patients leave treatment before they even finish it. Right. And so these people were all staying. All the patients stayed. That was remarkable to us, number one. And then number two, they ended up, this was the thing we didn't know what happened. They kind of started valuing their treatment as a result. They kind of wanted to share it with other people and to see them have a good outcome. Right. There's a, in got, a wonderful way that, yeah, that – There were some uh, amazing outcomes. I mean Jenny Ketchum – Jenny uh, yeah, Ketchum is now a psychologist. Well, I mean – unbelievable. And I think people don't realize that that's like what keeps people sober in any addiction is helping others. And then you're a celebrity on top of it. Yep. You get – in a good way, you get the little the narcissism. You're on camera. Yep. Ooh, I'm going to – you know, everyone wants to become a counselor that's right, right away. You know? right. And so I feel that's like so what people true. don't understand watching the show is – they were not acting out 
because they were on camera. That's what addicts oh, act like. that's what happens. And that's what they act like when they're sober, too, if yeah, they haven't been to a meeting in a week. I mean, true. they're crazy. And that's I say this as with one in love. my own ways, with yeah. peace and love. Yeah. With Oh, my God. My mother gets so mad when I say that. Peace and love? She loves Ringo Starr. She saw him in concert. Jennifer, he is peace and love. You and your sister playing that YouTube clip of him. He was not angry. He's saying it emphatically. Now, get out of here. Yeah, he says. Very mad. With peace and love, no more. As of October 31st, there will be no more autographs. Don't send me anything. I'm saying that with peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Oh, he's control issues. He was like so angry. It was obvious. Like, hey, go to hell, everybody. Peace and love. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, that's what I just have to say. I don't like when people don't understand you. That's I appreciate that. Trust me, it is with intent to do good. And we do feel like we intend, we got the conversation into the public yeah. domain that was not there before. Well, I know how good. hard you take it when people, yeah, I, I have that I same know. thing where I'm like, please don't misunderstand me. You can disagree and, and with me, but if you right. misunderstand me, I'm underwater. Yes. Yeah, that's our codependency, I suppose. Yes. But yes. And there's no recourse. You have no recourse. No. You just can't do anything when people aim that stuff at you. Yeah. It's just, it's just so painful. Oh. Yeah. Um, now, so, but here's, here's what and people... And by the way, these are all people I deeply cared about, too, of by the course. way. Like Rodney was like, oh. Anyway, go ahead. He was wonderful oh. to see. He was one of my favorites. Is Andy Dick sober again? Right now. Yeah, okay. And, 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 um, and, and when people say that we exploited, my thing was, well, ask the patients. Did any of them feel exploited? Did anybody say that? Anybody. Wouldn't right. you think they would, somebody would go, hey, I felt it. Nobody said Nobody that. ended up saying that. Well, they could go, well, no. they're on drugs. They didn't know. It's like... No, no, no. Some of them are quite sober right now. In fact, Jenny Ketchum just texted me the other day. She's pregnant now in becoming getting a PhD. And she goes, isn't this something all because of a reality show I did with you guys? Thank yeah. you for everything. And so if you can get a new house, why can't you get a new life from a reality of show? It's texting during my How dare you. No, I'm thinking I'm going to see if I have Jenny's text. I'm going to show it to you. Um, question for you. Yeah. Tell people what you are a doctor of doctor stuff. You're like you're an internist. Yes. That's how you started. Yeah. Are you also trained in psychology, psychiatry, I, I, or you just yeah. taught yourself? Well, here's what happened. So, uh, I know that you were working with AIDS patients, and then you didn't really know about the 12 step thing, and then th- saw the miracles. But yes. that's different so, than so, psychiatry, right? Right. So, what was happening was I was uh, doing medical work in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. All the medical problems were down in the drug unit. I got very interested in detox. I became an expert in detox. And then I saw people recover. I was like, what the hell is that? What yeah. just happened there? The whole time I was working in the psychiatric hospital, I was learning about psychiatric medicine. I became an expert in the medical management of psychiatric patients. Got and it. that became my thing. And it was one of the things I did anyway. And, um, and, I, and I really realized how poorly trained internists are in psychiatry because I realized, oh, my God, I did not know all this stuff. And I've spent now 10 years here. And I know a lot of psychiatry. Yeah. And I know where psychiatrists come in and where internists leave off. And even with all this knowledge I have, I know how weak we are as internists. And but do you mean psychiatrists for the listener? There's MDs. The person that prescribes your medication, yeah, but, but, but if you also, go to talk therapy, that's called psychologist. Generally right? speaking, yeah. that's somebody that's a therapist or psychologist or LCSW or PsyD or something like that. But but they um, the psychiatrists also are the experts in diagnosis too, and sort of mm. in, in under, the the understanding of what's going on, the medical. They're the brain part of yes, it. and so I really paid attention to all that. All the while, I was learning how to detox patients, and then I got interested in the recovery part. 
And then for 20 years, I ended up running. A, by coincidence, I got stuck. I was asked to be the assistant director of a program because the director needed somebody. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. You'll be, when I go on vacation, I just need somebody here to cover you. You're on the unit all the time anyway. You're detoxing these patients. He quit six months later. Uh, I became the director. Right. Now, when that happened, I had to really educate myself about all this. I'd go into therapy myself to make sure I could be skilled in what I was yeah. doing. I became, I became an addictionologist at that point. And that role is really sitting at the crossroads of psychiatry mm-hmm. and medicine and family therapy and behavioral me- – I mean it, you have to have a little bit of everything to right. do that properly. And that took me five years before I was good at it, 10 years before I was expert at it. A now, lot of time just really working in that field. Here's and my then question. I got board certified in that a few times and stuff. So. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Here's my question for you about therapy. Mm-hmm. So I talk about therapy a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of listeners who email me – you know, thank you for talking, but I'm always blown away that people still say that because to me, it's like everyone talks about it. And I forget, I live in Los Angeles. I'm around artists and crazy people. I don't mean, I mean, crazy, like crazy artsy, not yeah. mentally ill and yeah, that yeah. too, but mentally ill too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in my industry, you get it. it it's, it's more of a second chance than maybe others. If you've done something mm-hmm. really egregious that shows that your mental health is and so i'm but, but by the yeah. way the, as, as it pertains i'll let you ask your question but i just want to remind people there's all this energy and ink spilled on don't reduce stigma reduce stigma don't stigma when people behave in unpleasant ways because of their mental illness that's when you don't stigmatize them that's when you don't go oh you don't put them on the newspaper you don't shame them yes that's when you that is where stigma that's where the rubber hits the road with stigma i'm so po'd at the la times for putting that poor doctor that was caught with drugs and prostitutes and things. I don't know if you saw that whole thing. It was no, front page was times it? repeatedly. Maybe while you were at your silent retreat or something. Yeah, yeah. I was but, unplugged. But my thing is I like, have time look, for that look, I understand that was a story. Put it yeah. in the California section. Put it on page four. But putting it on the front page every day, if that guy kills himself, I want them held responsible Totally. For because now you that claim to not want it, you the LA Times, they claim, well, you want to reduce stigma? Now's when you don't stigmatize somebody. Right. And when I started complaining about it publicly, they pushed it back in the paper. Oh, they did. Well, good. Keep talking. I know. I am. And it showed up back in the front page again. Well, this is what I went into. Let's sidetrack to Trump for a minute. Yeah. So there was someone. um, Now, I'm like, you know, on the scale of mental illness. I don't even know if, you know, I have depression and anxiety. I don't have it. 24-7. I, I do too. I have, I have a history of panic attacks, anxiety. And That's right. We mm. share the panic yeah. attacks. So, and when I say to people, I don't have it right now, I'm not trying to be defensive. Like, it's bad. I just want to show them, like, no, you're, it, you're, you, you, you have you Right. You yeah. have these underlying biological tendencies. You've had stressors or whatever, yeah. dynamic issues that have contributed to that. And you've managed them. Yeah. They may recur. If you had a previous depression, it's more likely to recur. That's right. Uh, panic attacks, if you've had them properly managed, may go away. But, uh, you know. And well, now I know when they're coming on. I'm like, ah, here it is. It's like an annoying neighbor. Right. Here's it's, it's the panic. Your, it's your biology. There you go. But so I I guess this is a dumb, I don't know. I'm so oversensitive about everything. Everyone's shaming everyone all the time. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, I can't even speak. But when people were saying Trump is mentally ill. Now, maybe we're just saying uh, that we're, that. What's, what does that mean? Uh, well, that's what I mean. Okay. And people were like, don't stigmatize the mentally ill. I'm mentally ill. I'm not. Right. Evil like well, him. It's like, well, he's mentally <laughs> ill and dot, dot, dot. 50% of Americans will experience a major mental health diagnosis. He might have narcissism. Condition. He might have 
blah, blah, blah. So why can't, like, the other, like, when people are like, this, I related to this for some reason, when people are like, Caitlyn Jenner, I'm like, you can be trans and a Republican. It seems weird. <laughs> it seems weird, but she yeah. can be. Yeah. So, so Donald Trump can be evil and also have mental illness. Is that true? The evil is a... I mean, it's a... Yeah, evil is a... Judgment word. Yeah, it's it's a tough term. He I, can be someone that... Well, I guess... Okay, so here's the point. Let's say he lacks empathy because he is a legit psych, psychopath or narcissist, sociopath. Narcissist. Narcissist. Yeah. So... That's the liability of narcissism. So liability of narcissism is you're, you have empathic failure. Okay, so so his... But, but what I would urge people... see. I, but why you, is that stigmatizing to say that? That's what I don't get. Uh, I don't think it is. I don't think but that that, it's, that's the argument going around is... Don't well, diagnose. To, to say he's mentally ill, that's stigmatizing because it's it's saying you have trouble functioning. Oh, I see. It's affecting your functioning. And it, but it isn't it? To your, I don't know that. And because here's where I, I caution people. I say, well, look, if you let's, – let's say he has malignant narcissism. Then mm-hmm. you got to go, well, is that a bad thing for this job? Hmm. Let's look at the history of that job. Have there been other malignant narcissists? Sure enough. Harry Truman. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, he's my favorite president. I started looking at him. I went, holy crap, the guy's a severe narcissist. I mean, it's profound, with, yeah. but with bipolar disorder. I mean, oh, I Teddy Roosevelt was very, had real stuff and like, where it, like, it almost killed him. He ended yeah. up, you know, running down the Amazon. He was so manic and stuff. And it's like, all right, but it didn't affect his ability to do that job. Hmm. Uh, it, it, but it's scary when you have impulsive people in there that don't want to have empathy and are sort of grandiose and stuff. It, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of unsettling. It makes you wonder about it. it makes you scary. But it's it's hard to say that that's a diagnosable thing that needs treatment. He's obviously a little off. <laughs> he is not like you. No, exactly. But see, uh, now this we're getting to the heart of what is yeah. stigma and what is it. That's now, right. what I think, li- I think to talk about personality characteristics is not stigma. Is not stigma. Okay. Mm-hmm. If we say he has some kind of mental illness, but like a lot of people don't know what narcissism is. They think yeah. it means you look in the mirror. Okay. No. So uh, you can't say, I mean, the, the question even, it begs the question, you know, if you have narcissistic personality disorder or, if you, you know, it should affect your functioning. That's the thing about personality disorders. Yeah. They should affect your relationships and your functioning, and they should be chronic, severe problems it in those areas. It seems as though that might be happening. Well, we don't have proof. We don't know. We but don't now, know. when I would you know, spout off, I think he's mentally ill, and people would be like, hey, 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 that's stigmatizing. I'm mentally ill. I would be like, well, I'm not talking about you. So just <laughs> think, do I do that? No. I would say, well, then we're, I'm mentally ill, too, too. But So we're all mentally I, I, ill. <laughs> I don't feel stigmatized. This guy is the type that shouldn't be running the world. Because, I'm sorry, but sometimes you can't. If I have one arm, I cannot be something that needs two arms. I'm trying to think of a job. Or maybe I can. The, I get the, an electronic the, one. Everyone, I get the, it. Wonderfully, right now, for me, I, I am so... <laughs> I'm so sick of everybody that mm-hmm. uh, that I become like I want to I want to develop like a new party called like the No Nonsense Party or something because <laughs> I because because I am just like sitting in the middle of all this watching all this stuff go on like wow what is going on here it's, and so yeah. I'm very objective I just sit and I just evaluate evaluate if I'm trying to make sense of everything and so I don't have like a horse in the race right and that's why I can look at it and go well, where have there been other presidents that have some of these qualities like well, those guys they were oh, do you well, think they he, job. he some mirrors of them not so much. those but, guys or Hitler more. Like a like a dictator, does that make sense? Like dictators usurp power. They they they, they start consolidating and usurping it from all of it, and and dismantle the existing structure. Right. The existing structure is working. That's why things aren't going through Congress and things. Right. Things That's are being why contained. he might get our our system is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's designed to prevent the excess of accumulation of power by one piece of the government or the other. It's working. 
That's it. Don't relax. The gov- this is, an, a Who, bri- is a brilliant system. No, oh, I'm not even yeah. upset. Well, a lot of people are. That's what I'm saying. Just Do you relax know why? And- I'm not. I already worried about this when I was a kid. I started panicking. I knew too much when I was a kid. I was a little adult. My parents were like the world's ending nuclear bomb, Cold War. I mean, could it be more perfect that we've got Dr. Drew on here and we're talking talk space? I mean, honestly, I don't think so. Although we discussed the fact that he's was first and foremost an internist, internal doctor. But you got to take it. Your mind is just as important as your body. I mean, really. At the end of the day, do you make decisions with your body? I mean, I guess you do. You put your hand on a hot stove, you take it away, but that's because the signal goes to your brain. That's why at first, you keep your hand there for two seconds because your body's dumb. And then the message goes to your brain, your brain goes, ah, get your hand off that, you dumb body. I mean, our minds are such an important part of our health. So I think we all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves. Again, I'm going to say it. Get that. You, you, it's over. Labor Day came and went. You never got your beach body. Get your beach brain. That doesn't make sense. But get your brain ready for the holiday season. You know it's stressful or you're lonely or you're not lonely and too many people around. And you're like, you know what I want to do? I want to go to Cabo and have a margarita. But I got five kids who scream it. And the one that's 12 still believes in Santa Claus. Oh, my God. So taking care of our mental health is no exception to taking care of ourselves. That's why today's sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company, they make it easy to connect with an experienced, licensed therapist that you pick. You're in control on that one. One of the few things in life you can control, you can pick your therapist. And it's based on your preferences. For as little as $32 a week, you can send your therapist text, audio, and video messages, or even do a live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed, and they go through a rigorous screening process in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. So to match with your perfect therapist, get off Tinder. That's not going to make your life any better. Stop swiping right, swiping left. Go match with a therapist. Just try it. Just try it. Go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code Jen to get $30 off of your first month. And it shows your support for this podcast. That's Jen, J-E-N. Talkspace.com slash Jen. Talkspace. Therapy for how we live today. Here we yeah. go. Let's watch the day after. I did a whole one-woman show about it called the, I'm Going to Panic Like It's 1999. The day after thing. You remember sitting on watching that? It was so terrifying. We were, that was when everyone said, to, again, to put history back in perspective, Ronald Reagan is going to cause a nuclear war. We need to watch a TV show to teach us about what's going to happen next year when he does this. Yes, that's what my parents It was not even a maybe. No. It was a, he was a warmonger. Yep. He wanted the destruction of the world, and it's going to happen. That's what my and parents said. And let's all sit. Not your parents. That was... All of America, he was saying, well, other than the people that elected him. I wonder, you know, I don't remember the, I just remember them, I remember more on the Russians when I was growing up. It was like, they're going to nuke us. Yeah. That's what, and. But we were going to cause it. Remember? I don't. I was too young. Mm. I was too busy was trying to be a child. I was like eight. 
was the medical school. But then I had my first panic attack the day after that movie. Oh, my God. And then I kept it secret for 10 oh, years because I didn't know what it was. Oh, for God's So sake. that's where it all began. Oh. I've already worried about it. So now you know what's funny. So do you, do you ever I'm read? I'm very worried about the structure of the world. Have you read the oh ACA Big Book, the adult child? I've not read it, but I'm okay. familiar with it. It's fucking genius, yeah. and I recommend you read uh, you it. You know what? Tomorrow. I, were you the last one that told me yes, this? Yes, that's okay. all I say. All right, it's all okay. I say to anybody. Because I've heard this before. Yeah. So my parents are an alcoholic or psychotic. Yeah. But it's a great book about anyone who grew up. Around crazy. Well, it, I think you don't even have to grow up around crazy to read it because it's about the way you react to things. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the book is there's a thing. They call it your inside drugs. So some of us... M- are addicted to making our inside drugs mm-hmm. go nuts. And I have that. Mm-hmm. So whether it, it can be played out in, uh, it doesn't have to go to food, sex, blah, 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 blah. It can be literally into fantasy, mm-hmm. negative or positive. Yep. You make your inside drugs go. You have no idea what it feels like to just be neutral. I mean, yes. I've worked through this, so I do now. It's catastrophizing. Yeah, but I didn't know I had it. And mm-hmm. then you get addicted to excitement, they call it. So gossip or so... What I've noticed is, so what I, in my one woman show that I did. When, it, when are we going to have another Netflix special for you, by the way? Please. Uh, well, that's what I'm working on now and I go on tour. Did you watch the last one? I, Just Keep Living? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't believe you're a fan of mine. It's blowing my mind. Um, I, I was a fan of you back from Drunk History. I know. I'm pissed off you're not doing any more of those. Stop making people drink, Dr. Drew. I can't you, do it anymore. You, people, you. I can't do it anymore. I know. I know it's I just, know. Too, and also I get the reputation of a drinker. And you saw me at dinner with my two glasses of wine. Um, it does not give you reputation. Stop it. No, that's, it does. That's you, being exci- that's you being catastrophizing again. No, no. I mean it in a, not a bad way. They're like, hey, let's party. Oh, it's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> I'm just trying to minimize getting annoyed. That's all my life is about. But anyway, so in my show, I talk about I ran around, okay, the world's ending. Yeah. Then I had a fear of flying. Yeah. Then I took this fear of flying course, and yeah. I was talking to the everyone on the plane about terrorism. What if there's a terrorist? What if they use a plane as a bomb? I swear to God, I was saying this in the 90s. Then I live in New York. 9-11 happens. You were saying that before 9-11? Yes. Wow, good for you. What, what's, what's next? What's going to happen next in your uh, catastrophic scripts? Oh, it's um, electronic, the complete undoing of things. Like, we won't even have to nuke someone. They'll just set off our nukes or they will the power grid or whatever. It's all going to be electronic. Blech. So, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, who cares? You've had a good life. So anyway, um, what I so when on nine eleven when it happened, I was calm because everyone else was running around, well, and, and I said and I can finally relax. Yeah, interestingly, that's sort of the function of catastrophizing, mm-hmm. which is preparing for these things. Yeah, you're not going to surprise me. Yeah, that's why when I get yeah. surprised, I go underwater, mm. and it's not good because I'm a, I'm, I'm I got lucky that one time. You know, well, in the sense that I got lucky in the sense that I prepared enough for this disaster and I wasn't as freaked out as other people that day. So but that doesn't mean I should keep living that way, you know. Um, But what I'm saying now is I go on Twitter and everyone's like, we're about to get nuked. We're about to get nuked. And I'm like, ah, look at everyone freaking out. Finally, they're freaking out. Oh, it's and that's the addiction to excitement because I I can't stop watching people freak out. I'm like, yes, gossip and this and. I, and it's bad because it – so I just went on this five-day retreat or yes. four-day. And? And uh, it was very easy to unplug. Extremely easy. But anyway, I want to go back to – this is what we were originally going to talk about when I had you on my podcast. Now, okay. I have not been honest with my listeners. I might give them an exclusive right now. All right. This has been a source of shame for me. Uh-huh. Um, and you were very helpful. But my listeners don't know about my breakup. Mm. Um, and I don't like talking about it because two things. 
it's same with the drinking drunk history. I don't want to be the blah comedian. So even in my last the, special, the fill in the blank. Fill in the, so even in my last special where I say I'm in you're, a relationship, you're, you're too smart for that. But it still happens when I do press. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just trying to minimize being annoyed, yeah. controlling and managing. Control. So when I'm not I, sure what that means. You can tell me what annoyed means. Annoyed at like stupid questions. Like I'll give you an example. My last special, I'm like, I'm in a relationship. I went to Italy by myself. The whole point of the bit is that I'm in a relationship, but I still travel alone. Everyone. I'm doing press right now for the next tour. So thank you for being like a beacon to the single women. I'm like, I don't know if I, as far as they know, I'm not single. The last thing I, I said publicly was, I'm in a relationship. Got it. And I don't want to be known as that, or the married, or the, the just let me be a person evolving, changing. Got it. Secondly, then people feel bad for me, yeah. right? Yeah. And I get the tweets and the I date you. It's like, ah, da, 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 da. I'm awesome. There's no worries there. I want the one person that I wanted. I don't want you or these people coming at me. I don't, you, you want that one back? Look, I'll tell you where I'm at. No, but I'm, so my brain has not... I am still moving through the trauma of it. It okay. kicked up a lot of dust. Yes, I'm aware. And so, <laughs> and so I'm not solving this S-A-L-V-E with another man, if that makes sense. Oh, of course. That's, you, you were very clear about that, yeah. not doing that, because that would have been the worst thing. I have uh, – I read this book. Uh, I'm not sure what sure you want from me here. No, I'm going to tell you. Okay. I had an appointment. Because I don't want to overstep any whatever. No, no, no. I'll okay. tell you. I had an appointment with this grief for a long time. Yeah. So in my mind, I don't think he and I should have gone back together when we did. I think it was uh, – It was. You didn't know that before though. Didn't know it before. But I, I felt I, – I totally agree with you. Yeah. I felt I'm not recovered enough on my path that I'm on. Now – What about him? Well, I don't know how to talk to him right. anymore. But right. it was the most tragic thing. This is my favorite person in the world. My best friend forever. Yeah. We did date for a long time, yeah. and then we didn't speak. We said we're never going to do that again. Yeah. And um, I just didn't think he was the type of person that could not know himself so much that he would do this. you know. And so it's hard for me not to blame myself. Does that make sense? Like, I put there, There's so a much certain f- amount of male-female stuff in both of those roles you guys are playing, which is men, when, they, when it comes time to go, we just kind of want to get away. <laughs> We just want to kind of go. And then women always blame themselves for everything. Well, yeah, and I'm so, like, if, if you know, he can't be that fucked up that he would just dash in a way that he used to make fun of people who would do that. And I thought, no, oh, it's got to be me. And so I'm still working through that because that's the old stuff from ancient times. But anyway. What, I my, told what, you, though, that first six months, so it's it's detox, right? You got to. Detox. No contact. No chipping. Well, I was, here's what happened. So Dr. Drew, I couldn't, this is, this is why I do believe in the spiritual stuff that, you know, I say God and then people go, Oh, what about AIDS babies? And I'm not, I understand like God there, does, there is a spiritual realm. God does seem the device of rich white women. I understand that, but I, I can't be anyone else. So I'm just saying like, for me, there's no mistakes on God's timetable is how I'm going to put it. Okay. Okay. I call, I call the process of life that I don't control God. Okay. Not a man in the sky or a woman. Or whatever it is. The ocean runs without me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So Christmas is my favorite time of year. Beyond. I put my decorations up October 31st. My ex and I met 2011, two days before Christmas. That's our time of year. The year we weren't in each other's lives was devastating at Christmas for both of us. Uh, When we got back together, Christmas was a big thing. Mm. He dumped me. The day after Christmas, it it was so unfucking fathomable to me 
that I was like, this is the, this person made fun of anyone who would do that to Jen Kirkman. Does that make sense? Like who would do, where to get, anyway. I t- who, 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 you're accusing him yeah. of getting through Christmas with the intent the whole time to. Yeah, that's what I said to him. Is that true? Well, I said. Or did he get some clarity all of a sudden? He was like, oh, no, I got to do something. No, he, I said, were you? No, it, was, it wasn't the day after Christmas. It was two days later. And I actually, we were supposed to, you and me and your wife and him, we're supposed to have dinner on the 26th. Mm. And I was on antibiotics. I remember this. Remember that whole yep. thing I had? Yep. And uh, I was nauseous from them. And I was like, I can't even eat. What am I yeah. doing going out the day after Christmas? So yeah. he and I were just watching a movie. Everything was great. Literally great. The Christmas was a dream. The next day I said, you know, you seem, something's wrong. I know you got your own problems in life and you just work this big job and I don't want to make it about me, but it's something Were you just trying to get through Christmas and he got angry like that. I predicted it not angry, but he was like, yes, it was frustrated. I wish you hadn't said that. Like, like I brought it to light or something. And right. I knew there was something that had bothered him and I didn't think he could get past it, but I, I thought it was workable and it, it technically is, but not to him. Okay. You know, like what I have to realize is, I, I'm so self-conscious that people go, oh, she's crazy. That's why. Oh, she's crazy. That's why. That's what that's I why think. you left? That's what I think that people think about me. And it's like. What? That's what I think. Because I'm, you know, loudmouth comedian. And, and so wait, I go. You, wait, you just, you just jumped to but something. But that's why I don't tell people. You jumped from, from his whatever's going on with mm. him, which is his. I know. It's his. I know. You're not responsible for that. I it's know. whatever it is. It's whatever isn't working for him. And that's what he said too. And you made it. I'm crazy and drove him away. You well, you made it that. I don't think I drove him away. You, you but know, I'm going to say something harsh. Yeah. Ready? You ready? I'm not that important or special. You're making it. Yeah, you're making it grandiose. You're making it about you. I and, think. And, and and that's not you. Neither thing is you. You're not grandiose, and you're not somebody who would drive somebody away. Well, I think, you know, when in his moments of anger, he may be alluded to, like, you know, we, we both have our part. But I didn't do anything. I wasn't yelling, screaming. Like, I feel like people well, that's go. Like, well, that's him saying we don't fit together. We're not, there's, a, there's not a fit that I, I can't feel whatever. His, that's, that's, we each play a role here. Yes? Yeah, yeah, okay. sure, sure. But I just feel like, well, you know what it was is um, he had told me, and I think he said this to be cruel, and, and I'm not. Don't anyone but, like... But, but this is where codependency gets grandiose. Well, listen to what happened. He yeah. said that... And I don't know why he told me this. I think, again, he was just trying to... He was just having a freak out. Like, I totally have compassion for everything. Yeah. Um, I send him love and light. I'm not just being peace dismissive. And love. Peace, peace and love. love. But I really do send... <laughs> I don't send them Ringo peace and love. I was for a while. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're almost done with this podcast, but we'll get to it. Okay, okay. so he said... Um, you know, I was uh, at work. He was running a TV show. Mm. And one of the extras came up to me and mentioned, you know, oh, how was your holiday? And I said, not that good. I had a breakup. He and, said that. Yeah, yeah. To the extra. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why mm-hmm. the showrunner's talking to an extra about Whatever. that personally. Okay. And he said, the guy goes, oh, yeah, well, good thing you got away from her. Like, I totally get it. She's crazy. I would have dumped her too. And this is somebody that knows you? No. I, well, no. They're based on my persona, whatever that is. They have never met how me. How do you know he said that? My ex told me that this person said that to him. Why did that come up? Because I think, I don't know. I said, I'm afraid that people think I'm crazy. Would you please, if people ask you, why did you suddenly break up with the love of your life? There's, there's no reason. It always gets blamed on the woman. Like, oh, she must have done something crazy. I go, will you please tell people that this is not my fault? And he was like, no, of course it's not. And he said, uh, but I will tell you this happened. 
I don't know why he said that to me. I, I have this is sort of breaking my heart. I fixated on this so much. The fact that you think women get blamed and have to be responsible, that's just heartbreaking for me. Well, that's what my our, this one my therapist said. She said, you know, nobody I said no one's going to hold him accountable. No one's going to go, "What do you, you can't just do that." You the, said that. Yeah, and my therapist goes, "Yeah, that's the patriarchy. He gets to go off and just no one's going to be like, "That was weird that you did that." And people are going to look at you and be like, "Move through," you know. No. Yeah. Well, she's not saying it's good, but she's saying like Women do that to other women. What are you talking about? Men don't really think that way. No, I'm saying like nobody's going to go to him. That's what I'm saying. People are going to go. People are going to look at him and go, "Oh, dude, you weren't ready, were you?" You know, it's like what's going on in him that had him get out of there. I hope so. That's what men do, and then women are going to look at you and go, "What's wrong with you?" No, I have a joke about that, but I don't think I don't think women are so harsh to other women. It's ridiculous. It's it breaks my heart. That's what I hear. You even doing it to yourself? No, me doing it to myself is bad. I don't know if I agree with the women thing. Oh, but so well, harsh my friends, so, my friends. Well, good because but, that's what you need. Because that's the other thing that women do is they're wonderful to su- for support for each other. But here's the, the best part is so I I we we're supposed to do these dinner plans. I go, oh, let's reschedule in a couple of days. I get the email from you. I'm like, I got dumped. You're like, what? <laughs> the phone rings, and then I was just like, I'm go- like, I'm not like I was just like, I cannot deal. I don't. Like, I was like, I'm dead. I'm a dead person. When and you I, talk to me? Yeah, and that's how I just felt. I was just like, I'm going to die. I'm getting back on meds. I'm doing everything. Like, No, you were not like that. No, no, inside. inside. I know, but you were, I understand you were hurt. You were grieving. No, yeah, it's totally fine. But I can't believe, like, these podcast listeners know, I didn't tell anybody. I kept that Jackie O'Veneer, you know, and I, it, it was crushing, but you checked in on me. Yes, I was You would about call you. once a week, check in on me and give me a call. It was so nice. It wasn't therapy. It was no, just a good conversation. No, it was nice. Oh, God. Anyway, my whole point is that's the exclusive, and you <laughs> really helped me through it. But good. I'm still working on this gunk. You can hear uh, it coming up. Yes, yes. It is not time to take on another man. No. Well, uh, how has it been? Eight months. You do you know I'm going one year? Do you know I'm developing a TV show about it with Universal Studios? Good. And we're pitching it to NBC. See, all these things have positives. Yeah. Positives, positive, positive. It's, it's about a woman who gets dumped on Christmas. And this, in my version, it's really funny. Her boyfriend gives her a cat. This and, next relationship is yeah. going to be really good. Oh, God. You know, I also, you know, I've been married. I've been in relationships 20 years. I know. I, but that's what I mean about getting older, too. I go, what if I never have one again? You I'm will. fine. But I do know. you know what I'm saying? But that's why the next one's going to be good. No, I know. Because you are fine. I'm fine. I actually yeah. realize like no one's looking at me like I'm incomplete. That's me. Yes. And weirdly, I'm not one of those people that goes, you're incomplete without a man. And yet no. I feel like people oh, go, that kind of she's not being picked no. because she's crazy. But we love our Jen. Where are you coming up I with this? I don't know. Stop it. This is what it's Stop like in my it. head. Stop the, it. The, 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 the... Do, you, do your female friends let you spin like that? Well, my ones that are in this sort of recovery world don't. Okay. My my, my my female friends outside of it, they'll be like, yeah, you're a little nuts in these ways. And any real man can fucking hold that space for you because it's not really actually crazy. Right. You're it's, a human being. But, right. It's what, what I would put more on the interesting spectrum than nuts. Yes. Well. Seriously. I literally, to me, how I see myself is the Tasmanian devil <laughs> whirling dervish. Why? Like if, if Courtney Love and the Tasmanian devil had a baby, that's how I see myself. Just like, what? Okay, I know Courtney. You're not. You're no Courtney Love. Will you please announce that to people? This is not Courtney Love. I've known Courtney <laughs> for years. This is not a Courtney Love. Oh. And, and nor do a Tasmanian devils sort of freak me out. You don't have the freak out factor. But maybe I'm a sociopath who's hiding. No, it. 
Oh my God. This is what it goes. It goes in my head. I know. So when I did this retreat this Turn weekend, into creative, creative, the creative solution. Oh, well, the, I know. And it's going to be a hit show. I know. It's going to be your solution. Creative creativity and creative expression can solve a lot of this stuff. I didn't even think, oh, I'm going to turn this into a show. I just thought it was so fucking funny. In the version I'm pitching, he gives her a cat. And she goes, what are you giving me a cat for on Christmas? He goes, I don't know, in case you get lonely. She goes, why don't I get lonely? Are you going to dump me? <laughs> and so within five minutes, she's 39 in yep. the show. You can't be in your 40s on TV. Um, we'll see. We'll see if they pick it up. At least they'll buy a script. I'll write it. Good for but, you. Congratulations. You know, I'm trying to figure out what to do and at then, Christmas. And then, and then this will be great for your next stand-up. So I just don't like talking about. No, I'm the, not saying the material necessary, but the motivation, the creative. Well, you know, I have motivation. a new bit about. Uh, I wish, in a way, it would be easier if I was with someone that got assassinated. I was watching Jackie the movie, and I was like, "There's no social stigma on her. Her life is just beginning. It's glamorous. You blood on your Chanel suit. Why? My husband's head was why don't blown you just, off. Why don't you, you're very good at spinning in your own head. So why don't you just pretend you're you're that? Well, that you he, blood, was, he was if assassinated. You, if you just blood, if you blood in your Chanel suit and just someone dumped you, you're a psycho. You've done something. <laughs> um, I do. Oh no, in my mind, he's died at sea. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to ask you is, as we wrap up, what should I do on Christmas? I was thinking of going to Vienna by myself, or maybe back to the silent retreat. But I need don't to don't go get, to silent retreat. I need to get away from um, my home that is now infected with yeah yes i'm not going to put the tree up uh, this year i'm just going to have mm, modest decorations modest. okay okay um <laughs> do you know that i was so depressed i ran out of my house i called someone that i know needed money i'm going to give me 300 bucks take everything christmas down and do not let me see it you know what my instinct is a little bit what oh, i love when you get psychic yeah it's i i feel like you need to go to new york no that's where this whole thing happened oh, that's happened where we met uh, well and that's where we had this why moment I... that I know is why we broke up, which is we were in New York and he hated it. And I'm like, wait, you don't see us yeah, moving here someday? Yeah, you need someday? to reclaim it. I did when I moved there. That when I had dinner with you, was... I reclaimed it. Okay. I mean, not at the dinner, but right. I had but reclaimed I, it. Whatever reason New York comes to mind. Do you think I should go there and so- really reclaim it again at Christmas? That's what I'm feeling. And I was I feel just like reunited gotta, with you... an old best friend there and she doesn't really have family and she that's and her husband and say. her sister. You need to be surrounded by friends and maybe new people. I don't know where this is coming from i don't know why i'm saying this but oh, I'm saying okay i okay. was thinking about it today and it made my heart hurt and i went maybe go there i, I don't know why i, I, I can see it I, i'm looking at rockefeller oh, center that's where is that where you like to go see no, the christmas that's, tree there that's where it began to end so what do you know that's what I, you know what makes me begins. sad okay can i tell you something when yeah. i first met him i told him that i feel like the tasmanian devil and, and i said why he said why i said i feel like i'm too big too much he goes you are too big and too much and it's fucking amazing you're the rockefeller center christmas tree that's what he called me Uh oh so i can't go there anymore yes, it you breaks can. my heart it's too bad you can reclaim it oh, oh my I god this why, has been I, the I, most this, intimate this is not podcast <laughs> this is not something i'm saying thoughtfully it's something i'm saying no just, you're an just, intuitive just coming up so i don't know Drew, I, I see Vienna as sad. I see Paris as maybe. Paris has been too many times. Yeah, I see New York. It's just in my, I see it in front of me. New York is joy. Even when it's sad, it's how, joy. And how weird is it that I'm literally seeing Rockefeller Center? I'm seeing that Christmas tree. That's All what right. I see. All right. You that's, know what? It's weird, isn't I it? I felt it today. Something inside of me went... But but you gotta, gotta go be, you've got to be surrounded by friends. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna and, go and, by myself. And, new, and newcomers, new yeah. people in your life, new 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 new. But friends also. Well, I'm not gonna be like there with a hot chocolate, like skating. Have yourself a merry little. Okay. You're not gonna be by yourself. We've gone That's over why Vienna. Vienna seems alone to me. Like oh, and Austrian accents. Yeah. But I like Christmas markets. Frog, maybe. No. 
Prague's got that great Christmas market. Really. You know, I'm going to go to London in February sure. for uh, shows. I'll go yeah. fucking, you know, yeah. but let them pay the flight. All right. All right, listen, we talk too much. We'll do a shorter thing on your podcast. <laughs> okay. Thank you for being here. I Sorry I just dragged you. I thought... I've been dying to tell my podcast listeners this, and I needed you to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And so I'm happy to have been a witness to it and and to be a part of it. If my mother's listening, oh, my God. See, she gets upset. I don't like to tell her things because I can't hold her sadness. This will not make somebody who cares about you sad. No, it does because she cares about me. No, not the arc we've taken in this conversation. No, she doesn't. She's a different generation. She's 50s, 79. I'm going to also predict she might be okay if she listens to the whole thing. If she listens at all, she has to listen to the whole thing. She's gonna be why she's gonna be mad. Why you hang out with therapists? I've been hanging out with therapists since I was sixth grade. I'm, not, I'm your friend. I know, but we talk about things. Okay, all right, Doctor Drew, Doctor Drew Pinsky, where what's let's promote? I didn't even go to doctor.com. Doctor.com. Got a whole bunch of podcasts there. One of them's award winning, the Doctor Podcast, which you're going to be on as an award winning podcast. What award did you the win? The Academy of Podcasting gives out awards. That's fucking and, awesome. Yeah, I know it's awesome. I do love your podcast, and I love. Is this life still happening? This life still there, and uh, and and now uh, we have a couple versions of it. One with Bob, one with Mike Catherwood, and then I've got a weekly infusion with uh, Doctor Bruce Heischer. And I, I just I was going to ask you, but who cares the uh, the, the you were saying, uh, how do you fucking have time for anything? Is we'll amazing. talk about that on my podcast. Yeah, we'll talk about it on yours, okay. and I'll send everyone there. Thank okay. you, Dr. Drew, for being a friend, for being a great guy. I seem fun. Till next week, have fun. Oh, my God. So I'm doing like an introduction, but after the episode, it's like an outroduction because I wanted to have a little bit of control over the message I want this episode to send, and I didn't want to ruin any spoilers by putting it at the beginning. So... Yeah, I, I just want to tell you guys, basically, you know, I only tell you guys things. Uh, I don't process with you some stuff in my life. Sometimes I process first. And, oh, I'm going to lay down. What does it feel like to lay down and podcast? I just wonder if that's bad for my voice. Oh, that's fine so far. Um, my life has never been better. And I know that when people go through a breakup, they say shit like that. But it's been nine months, so it's like it's actually the last month has been miracle after miracle. If you can adjust your meaning of miracle, I will tell you that I just thought like, okay, well, if we don't get back together, I'll never be happy. Um, We're going to get back together someday, so I'll just wait. Um, I'll stay stuck and not over him because that's easier than learning to live without this person that's been in my life. And we've been out of each other's life once before. And I just realized that like, I have some old stuff that I, I've never looked at that, that I just, you know, you can intellectually, there's an expression insight gets you nowhere. You can intellectually understand a lot of things about yourself, but it's still, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. And with my ex, who I think is just a great person, I think he's, he'll kind of do anything. You know, I don't know who he is today. I haven't spoken to him, but in, in terms of where we were at when we broke up, I feel that where he was at is he seems like someone who will launch any nuke to avoid going too deep. And that's his business. He can go deep within himself whenever he feels it's right and not a moment sooner, right? Or else it won't work. And I can't ask someone to go deeper into themselves to save our relationship. Like some people are like, I can't do it while I'm with someone. And he was very, he made it very known. I'm love you. Who wouldn't love you? I am so sad. It didn't work out. Like I am an idiot. You know, I mean, he said all the right things. And then when I would, 
be like, so then why not? Like, then that's when nukes get launched and people are like, say hateful things. And then what I've come to realize is like, oh my God, I wouldn't have gotten through this next level of self-love if I'd stayed with him or because of if I stayed with anybody, I had an appointment with this lesson that I had to learn. And I really think that the universe like brought us back together as a couple, um, in order to show me, like, I'll give you what you want, Jen, but you're not going to understand why you need this. And I needed it for it to end. So I could feel the shame that came up. I could feel I'm very like, you know, I do a lot of interviews and they're always like, thank you for making a statement for single women. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not making a statement for single women. I don't want to be single, but here's the thing. I'm not unhappy being single. I can't imagine merging my life with someone's like in general, because I don't know who that someone would be. And I'm busy. And, and by busy, I don't mean I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, avoiding feelings and working. I have a full life on every level. I am so loved and I am helping others and they're giving their love to me. I love, I love my 12 step groups. I love my friends. I love my career. I love projects I'm working on that you guys don't know about with new people in my life. And so of course, like I'm a relationship person. Like I will have one again someday. I assume, I mean, there's no reason why I wouldn't, I'm not looking to not, but I'm also fine. If someone had a crystal ball and said it won't be for 10 years, I'd be like, all right. Like, I just love myself so much in this real way. Not the like you go girl. And so I don't want to make a statement for single women because I feel like the expression single women is, or men is so stupid. Like if you are someone who is like, I want to be alone, then I don't think that's normal either. Like I don't, there's avoidance there too, you know? And you might be like, yeah, and that works for me. Like that's totally fine. It doesn't work for me to shut down any possibilities in my life. Like, but right now, like what, what sucked at first for me was I wanted to be with him. And now, and then it went from like, well, if it could work out, I'd want to be with him. Then it went to like, well, yeah, if you didn't have these couple qualities that I guess aren't right for a relationship, I want to be. And now I'm just like, I don't know. I don't need to know. Like, would we get back together when I'm 50? Like, yeah, maybe if it's meant to be. And if like he works through what he wanted to work through, great. Now he might, he felt he had to work through some stuff. Maybe he didn't. I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know if he's dating anyone. I know nothing. So there's a world where, you know, and women hate this. There's a world where he, sometimes when you're with someone, it has nothing to do with the person, but just that you're in a relationship with someone who knows you really well, that you can't hide how you feel about yourself and you can't hide things you need to work on. So you, you get away from that person because it's too reflective and you go, no, no, I'm going to work on myself. And then you meet someone two weeks later, but because they don't mirror you in ways that your ex does. Like you think, Oh, it's probably my ex. And that was my biggest fear. It was like, he's going to meet someone and he's going to think it was all me. And we didn't have a tumultuous relationship. Like I, I just felt like ultimately looking back, I didn't want to admit it. Cause I don't want to put my money on the wrong horse. And I feel like whenever people say like, Hey, well, I wasn't strong enough to handle me that they're saying, cause I'm a mess. And I just felt like my image, you know, you heard me saying to Dr. Drew, like I just assumed people thought I was crazy. So I've literally met so many new people this year from jobs to like different people and different things I do. 
that have all almost like bad dialogue in a movie that have come up to me and been like, I love you. You have a great energy. You are not crazy. Like just out of the blue. And it is so many people saying this to me that I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not. And I'm just so paranoid. Like that when, because my ex, I told you when I told Dr. Drew said that hurtful thing to me that someone had come up to him and said, so it's like, I just been embarrassed to talk about it because I don't want to be the spokesperson for single women. I think it's a defensive posture to be like, I'm single Chardonnay. It's like, I'm me. So even when you're in a relationship, if you're not married, you're a single tax wise, they're single, married, divorced. That's what you put on your taxes. I don't define myself by what you might put on your taxes. You can be married and totally single. If you and your husband have separate lives, like it's just crap. I don't like those labels. There's so much projection and implication on the word single. I am not looking right now. I'm not available to anybody, only myself. I'm really enjoying this journey with myself and, and digging up some tough stuff that is just, you know, my own stuff. And it's, I know, you know, my mother in here, what is going on? You know, she doesn't understand. It's not her generation. They didn't look deeply at things. It doesn't mean those things aren't there. And I prefer to look at stuff and I go, God, I have really bad self-esteem. I have a really bad image of myself. I think, you know, I think I'm really attractive. I think I'm really funny. I think I'm really capable, but that's not self-esteem. I don't know if I'm, if I think I'm worthy of certain things. Like I have this very specific personality trait, which is like, Oh no, no, no. I think I'm awesome. But I think the world has cursed me so that nothing good will ever happen. Like that's bad self-esteem. That's being born of shame. So I'm like, oh my God, I had to be blown open. My heart had to be broken open for me to see just the love that's in my life. And I don't think I'll ever make the same. I don't ever have to go through what I went through with this breakup again. Like I don't ever have to go through that pain again because I was clinging to one person to give me my self-esteem, even though in general, they didn't give me my self-esteem when we were together. It was just getting rejected, kicked off all this, like, it must be because I'm not worthy without ever thinking like, is he worthy of me? Like not, not in a bad way. Like fuck him. He's stupid. Like, not like that. So I had to look at like, what happens when I get abandoned? What's my abandonment stuff? You know, um, and what I would ask you guys is if you knew who I was with, do not tweet at him. Do not say his name to me. I didn't want to talk about this for so long because a lot of you guys just, no matter what I say, you will email me. I know you don't want to talk about it, but it's like, you have no idea that like, sometimes if I'm just checking the email or the Twitter, I don't want to be like shocked. Like you just never know. I might be on one hour sleep. I'm traveling. Like don't, cause it's very triggering. You know, I wanted to keep this stuff between people in my life that I could talk about it with. And I love you guys. And I tell you these stories so that maybe you can have a little inspiration in your own life or just to hear a good story, but we're not, we're not in each other's life. And I don't mean to be rude, but just please don't write to me about it. It would be really great. Um, you know, if you want to relate a similar story or relate a story, you can just write to me that story without saying why, like, please don't write to him. Like, Anything you do where you contact him, it, it's just going to make me look nuts and I don't want it to. So I just want to emphasize, like, I knew I would be okay. 
but I didn't know what, would, what it would look like. And I would lay in bed every night with my arms open and I'd say, God or universe, you know, uh, I know you're going to give me this big, beautiful life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, there's a notion that if, if I sat down and dreamt with a genie for what I wanted, I'd probably shortchange myself because I don't think big enough, you know, and I don't mean I want a yacht or an apartment, like every beautiful thing and every beautiful person that's wandered into my life just never saw it coming, never thought to wish for it, you know, and I just love it that way. I love my life. And I've been in relationships. I've been really lucky. I've been the recipient of a lot of love and I've given a lot of love and it's not going to end, you know, and it's only going to get, I'm only going to know myself better. But at this point in my life, I'm in this beautiful, sweet spot where it's like, look, I don't need a, a partner for right now because I don't, you know, it's not like I'm owning a home and, you know, I'm in a marriage and, you know, I'm not having a kid. Like, so there's certain like people who really want a partner by a certain age. So it's like, I need to get married, I need to have kids. I'm in a beautiful sweet spot where I'm like, I am so comfortable in myself that like I can hang out with other couples. I don't feel like a third wheel. I don't feel like people pity me. And if they do, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that you're, that you don't understand like how amazing it is to have had bad self-esteem and to finally love yourself. Like, let me have some more fun with this. You know, like this is really fun and I'm really fulfilled. And it's sort of like, um, you know, recycled air in an airplane. Like I'm recycling the love back and forth to myself and, and I'm happy. I'm happy from this place that is, seems really, um, different than happiness I've experienced in relationships. It's like a, it's a deep, deep happiness. It's a content, it's a trust in the flow. And, um, now, does someone still get depressed, sad, have a bad day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the deepening, the, the vulnerability I was able to show with friends, it took a while. I didn't, I told my friends I can't see you guys for like a month. And I just went to like my little 12-step groups. I went to therapy and I just spent a lot of time alone. I went to healings and yogas. And and my friends are like, are you sure you don't want to talk? I was like, no, because I don't want to hear any conventional wisdom. Like, fuck him, you'll find someone. And it was really just I was ashamed. And I realized that after I went on my silent retreat, like, oh, I was stressed out about what to do with my birthday because I was worried that I would feel sad that I wasn't with my ex. And I'm way past that. But I didn't know. I thought, oh, what if it gets kicked up? I better be somewhere safe. And it's like, true. And your silent retreat's fun to do. And it's a great time of year to do it because I'm about to go on tour. But I was really, um, I think, ashamed. And I went out to dinner. Um, so the day after I talked to Dr. Drew, I went out to dinner with my friends Chris and Sarah. And I, I told them like, I think I was ashamed and I ran away on the silent retreat, even though it was awesome. And I would do it again. I'll tell you guys about it on another episode, but I was like, will you guys tell me like, in what ways do you think I'm crazy? And they were like, we don't like, we think you're crazy because you think you're crazy. You are not too much. And then they were telling us like, they were telling me examples of like, you know, Chris was telling me examples of like, you know, this girlfriend's PMS and how he's just so compassionate towards it now. And just like, Oh my God, like who can, you know, imagine not being able to like control your own hormones. And Sarah was like, Oh my God, I went off on my husband the other night. I had PMS, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my God, I never yelled at my ex like that. Like, and they were like, well, you should, you, you're allowed to during PMS. And if someone loves you, they don't fucking like hold you to this perfection that they need or else they can't deal. Like someone who can't deal with you, if you are literally within your rights and not acting abusive, that is because they don't 
know how to take care of themselves. They can't take care of you too. Not so much take care of us, but I was in a real funk after Trump got elected and I was off the road on purpose, but any change can kick up some wind. And I was a little bit just like depleted. And my ex was starting a new job, like running a TV show and we were in different places and relationships, they can, they can handle that kind of thing. If everybody is strong enough to handle it and you don't even need that much strength to handle it, but I don't think he had it in him. He didn't have it in him for me to say things once in a while. Like I'm feel like I'm going to die. I'm so sad. Or, uh, I wish I had a job like you did. Like, seems like white guys always get to work in this business. Like, you know, I would be like, I know I'm, I'm frustrated right now. Like I'm just having a bad day. I wasn't yelling it. It was just like, you know, it's like, I know so many women that after the election were just depressed and I know so many women still that are like, it's ruining my relationship, but you know, you gotta be able to hold space for someone. And I, I just think I had someone who, understood. I always say he understood me more than anyone else. And I keep saying that, I keep believing that story, but I don't think that's true because I have met people since who understand me more than anyone else. And they're not romantic partners. And I have past romantic partners that have, and they're still really good friends of mine. And while there may not be any romance left, they've never thought it was like, they've always held a space for me. And I think it was to finally shed and go, Oh wait, my ex threw up a lot of red flags about where he was at in life. And I had so much faith in him as a person that you think that sounds really nice, right? But sometimes it can be a real um, blind spot that some people have where they just dive in and put all their faith in someone's abilities. And that person never said they had those abilities, but you shower them with abilities they don't have, you know, and I didn't realize how hard it was for him to be in a relationship and be running a TV show and be looking at his things in life. I didn't, I didn't know for me uh, at a certain point in my life, being in a relationship always made it easy, that stuff easier, but I don't need that crutch anymore. Like, um, you know, I think part of the sadness too, is I was starting to look at things in my life that I always wanted to look at. And then I'm like, wait, you can't leave while I'm doing this. Like I need some joy in my life. And it was like, no, I didn't need someone to get through it, you know? Um, so I don't know, like I have nothing bad to say about him. I'm really disappointed in how he handled it, but I'm not disappointed in that he did it. It makes a lot of sense. There was definitely red flags about like what he could handle. And it wasn't a good girlfriend to me to be like, oh, you're fine. You know? Like if someone's expressing, like I'm having a really hard time, like keeping all these things going in my life and I feel weird for me to be like, yeah, it's great. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, sometimes that happens too. And you talk that out. I mean, you know, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I'm really glad we got back together. It was, um, it was really lovely. And I do feel in a lot of ways that he understands me more than other people do. I'm not sure that means we should be together. Because sometimes someone can understand your old wounds or your stuff you don't like about yourself and you don't want to like trauma bond with someone, you know, but on the other hand too, it's just a story I told myself. I felt very understood by him, but I guess I wasn't, you know, like where, when the rubber meets the road. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted you guys to know, like I've had 
such miracles in the last month that if I wrote them down on paper, a normal person might be like, how is that a miracle? But for me, I've had people show up literally like a badly written script to be like, oh, did you think you were crazy? You are not crazy. I find you very like charming. And I think you do a lot of nice things for people. And I'm like, what? Like, I just had this opinion that like, if this guy doesn't want to be with me anymore, it must be because I'm a horrible person. Like it just never done. And people are like, Jen, this is his shit. And I was like, no, he wouldn't say that. And they're like, cause he doesn't know it's his shit. And I'm like, no, I know, but no, I just, just something happened where what I maybe understood intellectually moved into my heart and core. And yeah, I mean, part of me doesn't want anyone to know my relationship status because I don't think it's integral, integral to my work. Um, I'm not, I don't like to be labeled. I'm not coming at anything from the single perspective. I don't want to talk about it in interviews. Like I can't help anyone. Like it's not a lifestyle. I don't walk around thinking I'm single. I walk around thinking I'm Jen fucking Kirkman, you know, just the same way I don't walk around going, I don't want kids. I just don't have them. And I'm walking around. So if you're single, like, I don't know, just walk around like your insert name, fucking insert last name here. That's who you are. Susie fucking Jones. Okay. Then if you meet someone, it'd be Susie fucking Jones plus one. Um, when they say you can't love someone until you love yourself, they really truly mean if you are going to get frustrated that the person you're with is human and you do not know how to not be freaked out or turned off by their humanness, it means you haven't accepted yours. There shouldn't be irrational reactions to someone pissing you off one day or not getting what you're saying or showing a little insecurity and vulnerability. If that person has a self-awareness enough to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I see. I was really insecure yesterday when you said something about how you're going to stay in your apartment for five years. I, I just thought we'd move in together before then. And it just made me feel rejected. If that person says back to you like, yeah, well you did that. And they keep hashing it out. It's like, no, I know. I said, I'm sorry. Like, I'm owning it. Like you can't, you know, like that person doesn't know how to accept themselves. Like you have to. So I'm just realizing like, I don't have to be perfect to deserve a relationship. And I don't, nothing I did was crazy. Nothing. Um, I'm a human being and I'm not ashamed of it. And I think too that I just don't like to talk about it on stage because it just seems to be the only thing people remember. I mean, even in my Netflix special, when I was happy in my relationship with my ex Jake, I was telling stories about going to Italy without him. And, and that wasn't a red flag or anything. It was literally just a trip I'd booked before we got back together. And it was like, people still interviewed me for the Netflix special. Like, so you're single. I'm like, I literally said 10 times I'm in a relationship. Like what? And I feel like it's kind of insulting in a way that like someone sees a strong woman on stage and they cannot get through their fucking heads that someone like that is not necessarily single. Like, um, but yeah. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is, um, I just don't want to wear it as a calling card. Like I could meet someone. I could not. There might be people I already know that are going to turn into a thing. Like I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but I always know that my life's pretty fucking good. Like I'm a real, I'm one of the lucky ones. And if I had a complaint about my beautiful life and the beautiful people in it, I, 
no, I don't. And I, I'm, it, I may look a little unorthodox, but I've never been happier. And it's not because I'm going here alone. I'm going that alone. I make sure that my life is so well-rounded. I have, I reconnected with my good friend, Liz, when I was in New York, she was my college roommate. And actually she understands me more than anyone ever has, you know, and now I get to meet her new husband and her sister, Kate has always been a good friend of mine and we all reunited. And it was like, I mean, I got dumped and then I got picked up and put in New York by, you know, the universe, like go here, go here, go heal, go, 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 go. And don't worry, I'm going to reconnect you with someone that understands you even more than you thought your ex did. You're going to find your long lost sister that used to be friends with, you know, you know, she's my actual sister. Um, and then you're going to get this, you know, I'm pitching a show that's sort of based on it. It's, I think it's so funny. It would be for a network sitcom. It's about a woman. She gets dumped on Christmas and her boyfriend gives her a cat and she's like, excuse me. Like, it's so funny. And she's just carrying it around in the car- carrier throughout the whole episode. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't change it for a thing and I wouldn't get back together with him today. Um, meaning because I'm just, I'm in my group. Would I someday? It, it remains a possibility the way that meeting someone new remains a possibility. Like, sure, if it made sense and it was meant to be, like, I suppose that's where the good Lord would want me. But um, I just don't future trip negative or positive. You, know, you can make plans for your future. Like, I need to make this amount of money next year. Like, of course. But um, yeah, it's hard to live as a secure person in a world of people that just look at you and think, well, if she's single, she must be making a statement about it. It's like, no, I'm, I just, no one likes me right now that I know of, and I'm not ready to be with them anyway. I'm, I got a little more work to do. Um, but I don't want to invite dudes who think because I'm not in a relationship that I'm available to them. Like I'm mad picky and I don't want some guy who confuses pity for love is like, Oh, look at you. Like, like, trust me, the guy is not going to come from Twitter or fucking someone who listens to my podcast. Like it's just not. And I just don't want to be hit on, but I was even when I was in a relationship, but there is something about being hit on by fans when you're in a relationship where you can be like, Oh God. But then when you're not in one, sometimes it can be like, Oh God, is this the, the future that I'm going to be that old woman alone. It just has these weird fans that like her. And it's like, well, yeah, if you have bad self-esteem, that's it. So now I'm like a rock solid boat, solid, solid as a rock. So now if a fan hits on me, I'm like, okay, well that's his weird trip of some idealism he's done with me. Like maybe I'm his type. He likes the way I look like cool. So, you know, but, uh, I don't have to be like, oh my God, that signifies that I seem desperate and that the world, it's like, I would take it to such crazy places. And now I'm just like, but it's just still annoying, but you know, I have to deal with that. Right. And I feel ready to just be myself. Like I'm a complete person and nobody's looking at me like I'm incomplete. And if they are like, ew, don't we feel sad for them? Um, this whole notion of like, well, wouldn't it be nice to share this with someone? It's like, I don't know. Who is that someone? Why are we sharing it? How does the rest of my life look like? You can't just assume that like 
you can't enjoy what you have because you're not sharing it with anyone. Well, get out there and share it with someone. Share it with a good friend. Go help someone else. Or, I mean, you can't put everything on one other person, you know? Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know I'm super good. And I have a joke that I've been working on about um, the movie Jackie where I actually was watching it with my, he was my boyfriend at the time, Jake. And we were having so much fun watching it. And when she, you know, came home after JFK got shot, she was just kind of like dazed and confused in the white house. Like, and I go, God, that looks so fun. And he's like, what does I'm like, you know, that like something disastrous happens and you're like, you're going to, you're about to get some good pills and go smoke a cigarette and you know, you're in your Chanel suit and like in a way your life's over, but in a way it's about to begin like that moment on the threshold. He's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, it's so much more fun than getting dumped. And he was like, I I'm really, and I was like, it's way better to have an, a husband that's assassinated than to get personally rejected. And he was laughing. And then I was so ironic that like five days later I got dumped. And I was doing that bit in some of my workout shows in LA, but I wasn't mentioning that I was now, I mean, the bit, honestly, if I were in a relationship, the bit would still be great. Cause it could be about how my current partner is like, um, psycho. And I could be like, no, listen. And it could be like, I could explain why it's so much better to be a widow of an assassin, someone assassinated than a, anyway. But there was something missing about this bit. Cause I, I couldn't lie and be like, I'm in a relationship. And I, I just kept it vague. Like I thought of and I was just like, people weren't laughing. It was like, you know, those bits where you're like, is a comedian just trying to be edgy for no reason? Like now I have a reason. Like, even though I did think of it when I was in a relationship, I think that's, what's funny about the bit is I can like talk about that. And then be like five days later, I'm like Jackie O in my house, but I was right. It's not as glamorous. It's terrible. You know, uh, it's so much better to have someone like I, it's, I have the jokes all worked out, but, but, and so I feel like, yeah, I think I'm ready to say on stage like this. Um, and it's not that hacky, like I just got dumped. It's like, it's been almost a year. I've totally processed and I'm taking the recovery from the breakup really slow and I'm letting, you know, everyone's like, are you dating? I'm like, calm down. No. I'm not dating. I don't have casual sex. I don't do any of that. And I never will again like that. And I hadn't in years, but I, no, I'm relationship only. doesn't mean it has to be like the next person I meet is going to be like my husband till 90. I mean, maybe it'd be a relationship that for some reason only lasts a year. I don't know, but I'm, I'm relationship only. So, so it takes a lot for me to, you know, I'm not going to ever go on like dating apps or stuff like that. Like my life's pretty good. And if it ends up like, it's just me, like I'm enough, but if it doesn't like great, but yeah, I'm not going looking for it. It's just, I don't really get the point, you know? Um, and that's what I mean is like, I always think of, I don't like being called single because I think it implies searching. And I just think that that's so basic. Like not, if you're searching for someone, you're not basic, but the assumption that that's what's happening is basic. Um, you know, sometimes people are actually fine and, and it's not, a defensive posture, you know, anyway, I think you guys get it. I just wanted to really explain it from me to you. Um, 
And yeah, Jen Kirkman got dumped the day after Christmas. Like who does that to me? Especially the person I was with loved Christmas. We met at Christmas five years ago, six years ago. He always talked about the one year that we weren't in each other's life, how sad Christmas was without me. It was a thing. We loved Christmas. I was like, is you crazy? You must be, I think you must be out of your mind. So I was like, oh, he ruined Christmas. I literally, I think I said this on the Dr. Drew thing because I, I don't remember. It was like a week ago. I, yeah, I gave someone money and I was like, go take everything down. And I walked back into my apartment and it was different. There was no more decorations and I don't want to open them again. Cause I don't, but I'm like already, I had a friend go like, cause I was in March, like, I don't know, like Christmas this year. And he's like, Jen, you don't know your feelings at Christmas. Like just one day at a time people. So I'm like, okay. Okay. And now I'm like, yeah, like I think I want to stay home at Christmas because I think I'm going to be actually working on a, a script that will be due basically like the day before everyone leaves for Christmas holiday, which is usually here like the 23rd. Um, so I will be working and I think I might go to one of these, like depending how much money you guys make for me on tour, I'm, or how well the necklaces are doing. I might go on some like frou-frou, um, one week, like one of those like health vacations where it's like, we make you vegetable juice and then there's yoga and hiking and a massage every day. Like I might do one of those like real detoxy kind of things just for fun because it's still glamorous and it's not like a silent retreat and you can still like lay in bed and watch Hallmark movies, but you're just like actually getting healthier. Cause I think once January 1st starts, I'm like off and running with some projects. So it might be like kind of a good little thing. Um, and I'm actually like, I just, what I want to do at Christmas this year is whatever I'm craving to do. And I'm really happy that I'm starting to have cravings and ideas and I might even go back to New York and reclaim it, reclaim in my time. So yeah, I really am like, you know what? I'm much stronger than this one person's inability to hang in there. Like, yeah, he said he'd never do it. He said he'd never go like that on me. And he did. And, uh, that's something for me to look at. Like I get to have an opinion about him and be like, huh, that does not work for me. I mean, I know it's like, well, obviously, but anyway, uh, so the tour begins, the tour begins. It begins tomorrow. I'm starting in San Francisco. That's already sold out. Can you believe it? The, well, it's the first show of the tour, but the first show to sell out early, San Francisco. You guys have redeemed yourselves. Now, Seattle, Seattle, don't depress me even more than Seattle is depressing. Oh, Seattle is not depressing at all. But um, that place seats 720 people. I think we've sold like 350 tickets. Look, if we sold no more than that, that's still great. But as long as it says it holds 720, I'm like, well, let's get 720. So come at me at the Neptune Theater, Portland. The Aladdin Theater, now, they said it was a sellout at 400. We sold out 400. And then they're like, well, we can open up this other part. And I was like, fucking let's do it. So now Portland, which is this Thursday, the 8th, no, the 7th, Portland is, uh, 
we can now hold 600 people and we've since sold like 50 tickets. I think there's like, as of this recording, 150 left, but I haven't gotten a ticket count in seven days. So, um, I think that's going to move really well at the door. So, and Vancouver, I feel like I'm just like not hearing from my Canadian peeps, like what's up Vancouver. So, you know, let's get that going. And then everybody, I hope you will come join me at the VIP meet and greets. Um, Ticket sales are picking up. And again, you get a tote bag, sturdy tote bag designed by me that has a little stick figure that says, I'm just a soul trapped in a body. That merchandise is not available for sale to anyone else. You will get it for free. And you get a tour poster that has all the cities on it. And it's that picture of me that you'll see, you know, the web flyer I've been passing around. Um, signed. I think I signed. Well, if you want me to sign, I'll sign. If, if you don't, I won't. And then you get like the half hour, like meet and greet, hang before the show and take a picture. And we can also do a selfie, but you get like a professional photo and you get a laminate and all this stuff. So, you know, it's sort of like, again, like I said, like you're paying 50 bucks, but you're getting $40 worth of merchandise for free. And then just kind of a better controlled environment to say hello in. Um, just a couple ground rules. Like some girl t- tweeted me and she never wrote back, but she said, can I, can I have you be on my, I bought tickets for the meet and greet. Can I record you while I'm there for my podcast and ask you a few questions? Now I'm not saying that that was like an uncool thing to ask, but like, no. And I, and I feel bad. Sometimes I feel bad setting a boundary, but it's like, this is like, I can't like give of myself like that. Like they're like, well, I just want to talk to you about being a badass on Twitter and a feminist. It's like, but there's nothing to say like that. If you think that, then you can say that on your podcast. And then you can say, go to her Twitter and see for yourself. Like, I don't want to talk about that. And honestly, like I do a lot of press. I do a lot of podcasts and I got to be honest. I don't do it for fun. I do it to move tickets in specific areas. You know, it's just too much talking otherwise. Otherwise I'm just going on things and burning myself out. And so it's very strategic. Like it's kind of like, you know, no, (laughs) you know, so I just hope everyone who comes is just understanding like you're paying and you're, and what I'm giving you is free merch. And then you're getting the meet and greet, which is, I guess, something that meant something to you. But I don't want this sort of like, well, I paid, I should be able to like dictate how it goes once I get inside. I'm not being rented out for half an hour. It's the meet and greet, you know? And, and I tried to make it as fair as possible financially. And, um, my thing keeps shutting off because I think it's like, will you shut the fuck up? The podcast is over. But I had to like officially say goodbye. And oh my God, the necklaces. My necklace line with Bobble Bar, B-A-U-B-L-E, bar.com is up at the Jen Kirkman collection. You can get a super fancy, like either gold or silver, one that says over 40 or child free. Those are like a little more expensive. Those are like 145 bucks. That's like a special gift to yourself. I got a bonus or it's a gift. And then the other ones, I think the price point's 45. I did not make up the prices, so don't go yelling at me. And those you can get in like 50 million different colors, acrylic. You can get like some of them you can get in block lettering or cursive. And then there's like gold, gold colored chains and more silver colored chains and all kinds. There's like ones that say laundry day, ones that say, I love me. Ones that say not today. Ones that say single taken unavailable. One that says cat lady. One that says I can't. One that says, um, yeah, child free feminist AF over 40 boss hashtag goals. I mean, there's so many silly necklaces for yourself. Get it for someone in your life. I think they are such fun gifts. They are only on sale 
from Tuesday, September 5th until December 31st. It is a limited run. I think they want to see how well it does. So do not wait. If you know someone who has a birthday in January or February, you're just going to be on top of it. You're going to be so on top of it. You're going to buy the gift now. If these necklaces went fucking viral and it made so much money, like, do you understand how happy I would be? Do you understand how my life, in my opinion, in my know nothing about opinion about the future, like in my opinion, it would make my life awesome. I'd be like, oh my God, I can do more of this stuff. Like, I just think it is so fun. And I really do believe in like, there was the age of Carrie, you know, the Carrie Bradshaw necklace that says Carrie. And then there's an age where it's like, yeah, never mind my name. Here's how I'm feeling. Here's who I am. I think it's so fun. And I love women and men, whoever wants to wear the necklace, expressing themselves by wearing words. Um, and you know, I'm again, I'm this artsy fartsy Los Angeles person. I had to like fight to get feminist AF child free. They were like, I don't know about that. I was like, trust me. These will be the most popular ones. Like words still scare people or people worry that people will be scared of words. And that's why as fun as these necklaces are, I still think they're kind of have a little bit of weight to them too. Like I'm going to say importance, but there's a little bit of, um, you know, reclaiming my time to them. So anyway, glad you guys know that I wasn't going to release this episode this soon. I was going to do another one, but then I didn't have time. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, here I am about to go on tour. This is Gen 2.0. We are restarting 2017. After my birthday, I shed a lot of bullshit. Uh, 42 was literally the worst year of my life. 43. It's been so beautiful. I like cry happy tears like five minutes a day. I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice. Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Going on tour, reclaiming my time. I don't care what anyone writes about me. They can say I'm single. My ex can say this. Who can say that? We know. We know what's up. Let's start the tour. <laughs>